Are you a woman, person of color, or a member of some other historically marginalized community who's sick and tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you? If you're ready to surround yourself with people who think big and you want to get inspired by women who are bold enough to write their own rules, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast, where we spotlight powerhouse women who got tired of waiting for someone to give them a seat at the table, so they built their own. This is an inclusive space where you can come to listen, get inspired, and make some new connections to help you take that next step into living your best life. I'm your host, Nakia Gray. Welcome to the show. Okay, today's episode of the Build Your Own Table podcast is just so special to me for many reasons. I can't wait for you all to hear from today's guest is Patrice Camo. She is a Washington, D.C. area content creator and entrepreneur committed to helping fellow mompreneurs find contentment in life and business. She is also the founder and CEO of Camp Space, a brick-and-mortar franchise concept that offers full-service content experiences for production teams, business owners, and marketing professionals. Patrice hosts Shades of Content, where she uses her 15-plus years of public relations career to teach content hacks and self-care tools to listeners via weekly audio and video episodes. She is a military spouse and the proud mother of three children. Patrice finds pure joy in creating, traveling, discovering amazing experiences, and exercising. Okay, Miss Exercise. I just came from the gym. (laughs) Welcome, Patrice. I am so excited. First of all, because you are a podcast expert yourself. And so with me being a newbie, I am honored that you would spend your time talking to me today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Nakia. Congratulations on the show. I'm happy that people can hear your expertise. It's been a long time coming and you have a lot to share. It has been a long time coming and I am loving it. Okay. I am in my zone. This is me. This is me. It is. (laughs) Well, first, let's just talk about where we were when we first met. I mean, I have known you. We were both (laughs) completely different careers when we first met. So you started in the communication space. And actually, you were, I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but a huge inspiration for me in going to American and getting my master's. I went through the same program that you went through because you talked about, and I was a whole lawyer with law school loans. That's right. So first, just tell us about your PR journey. Absolutely. So funny. I've always been a communicator. I've always been a planner. And I've always been able to tell really good stories. When I was in high school, thinking about my career and going into college, I had no idea what public relations was. I thought I wanted to be a marketing major. Essentially, PR is a part of marketing. But I went to the University of Maryland, and their marketing program is in the business school. And math is not your girl's sub. It ain't. I was in remedial math freshman year with the football players. Okay. So I couldn't do the marketing major. That was all math. And my advisor said, have you heard about public relations? And that is when literally it's like the heavens opened up. And I got my first internship at Vibe Magazine with their PR person. And I really was like, yo, this is amazing. Like it just blew my mind. And fast forward, I graduated. Well, before I graduated, I had my PR practicum, I guess, professor. He was also a partner at Ketchum PR, which is like one of the big five PR firms. Every year, he hired one of his students to be an assistant at Ketchum in New York. Wow, that's huge. 
shout out to David Rockland. We kind of check in like every three or four years. That man was just brilliant. But he sent that email out. Who's interested? And I was like, my current job, I didn't know if they were going to hire me. I was an intern. I didn't know if they were going to hire me. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So we went to lunch. Me and the other classmates who had been hired the year before. The two people who graduated before me who were still with him. We all went to lunch. That's a good sign. Women of color. We all, And he's a white man. We all went to lunch at the 94th Air Squadron, which doesn't exist anymore, right by University of Maryland. And they all, he offered me the job. He was like, because he had known, he knew my work ethic. He knew I was going to speak up. So I moved to New Jersey, living with my aunt, working at Ketchum and doing, I was half personal assistant, half research associate. I remember like four weeks in, I cried. I was in his office crying because I was like, I don't know what I'm like. I just didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. But it was the best experience ever. I stayed there for a year. While I was there, though, I wasn't into my clients. We were working with Dow Chemical, Welch's Grape, just things I was not, nothing for the culture. Right. So I had reached out to local friends of mine and I was like, they were building their own businesses. So I offered to do their PR for them. I think I would do one for free and then I would start charging really small amounts when you look back on it. And that's how it started. And from there, I moved on to doing other full-time PR careers, but I always had my own PR clients. I love that. You are very good at telling stories because when I first met you, you were working for this like military, what it was it, USO? USO, yeah. Mind you, Patrice, I've never heard of USO, didn't know anything about, to this day, I don't see USO and I think of you. Every time I'm at the airport and I see them with their little sign, I remember you telling, like you were so passionate about that. I think because you were a military spouse too, I could see where that would come in. So every time I see them, you were doing PR for them and I didn't even necessarily. You weren't even our target audience. Even your target audience. I started noticing it all the time. So I think you are definitely in your zone in that those are your natural gifts. And I think that a lot of times people don't understand how valuable that is, right? Like there are people that are still searching, trying to figure out why am I here? What am I here to do? And you are walking in it, even though your journey continues to change, which I want to talk about, right? So you've had these different, and you've done amazing work even for yourself. I mean, you're downplaying the clients, but you've had some major clients and work here in this area. And that's in a long career at doing that. But at some point you decided to shift, which I want to talk about. And I think, well, I'll let you tell us, where did that come from? I've worked with some great people. I think most recently, Chef Tobias Dorzon, who has been on the Food Network many times, he finally opened his own restaurant. I've worked with some really amazing people. But in doing that, I was not able to kind of fulfill what my dream was. So we go, we fast forward to, so that time working corporate, that was like 2005 all the way to about 2013, 14. I worked at various global nonprofits. And then I said, then this is when co-working was was a big thing. And in me working with my clients, I never had a place to have events. I never had a place to meet. I would always have to go into DC and I was sick of that. We work was lit. And I was like, I wish we had something like that here in Prince George's County. And we didn't. And I in 2014, 2015, I went on this charge to open up this space. And it would take four years to actually open up said space. And it's not even a co-work space anymore. It's a content studio. And so that was where the pivot happened. 
I don't think it was intentional. I think it was just like a lot of things I do are out of need or maybe someone saying, yo, we need this. Why don't you do this? And typically people will say that and then no action comes from it. Right. You and me ain't those kind of people. Right. I can remember when you and I were having the conversation about it and you were like, because I think at the time I was using a co-working space up on Wisconsin Avenue. Yep. And we were talking about it and you were like, you're going, you live in Prince George's County. Yes. And you have to drive all the way uptown, Northwest DC. And the next thing I know, you were opening. Well, I was like, now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I downplay a lot of stuff. And I, I don't know if that's just me not really tripping. I move on quick. Did that, what's next? Or maybe it's just me not honestly seeing the power of what I do, which is something I'm working on, right? I don't like to get too bent on what I did. I like to think about what I have to come, but it's a, it is important to acknowledge it. But yeah, so Camp Open, I'm here now. Camp is a, we are right now, and we've been for the last three and a half years, a one-stop content creation hub. And I opened it while I was working with clients. Chef Tobias has done a ton of things in here. I still honestly work with the clients too. I don't promote it as much, but it was just kind of a natural shift. It wasn't really, I don't want to work with clients anymore. I have this space that I need to put my all into because for a very long time, yeah, I'm sorry, for a long time, I wasn't. I was like, half this, half that, half this, half that. What made you decide to do content, to make it a content studio? Because you were definitely ahead of the curve on the co-working piece, right? Yep. And that was something that we saw. We saw the big box folks like we work at the time I was at Hera Hub and you put your own spin on it and that was working. What made you say, okay, where are people supposed to go to create their content? Where did that come from? So I'll tell you, when we opened, it took three months to get one co-work member. And that one co-work member was only paying 200 a month. But in me, in doing that pre-soft launch opening, I don't know. Nikia, it was God. God said, you can have events here too. You can take pictures here too. So I wasn't really promoting it, but I had like a friend who had his 40th birthday here. And then people would come to that party and was like, oh, we can take some pictures here. And so it took a year. I'll tell you the impetus. I tell the story often. Nipsey Hussle passed away on March 31st of 2019. We had literally been open a year and one week. When he passed, I just, because he had a co-work space. So I was connected to him in that realm. But after he passed, I just went on this insane deep dive of his life. And one of the things that he always preached was vertical integration. So when you watch a Nipsey Hussle video, he's wearing marathon clothing. And he's probably smoking a marathon strand of marijuana. And he's an independent artist. And so they're making money off shows. They're making money off Yes. Like, you get it. You're an attorney. Yes. Money is just cycling constantly before it's given out to somebody else. His brother, you know, like his family members run the store. They manage him. And any partnerships they have with outside entities are partnerships. Yes. It's licensing deals. Nobody owns him. And so I'm like, well, how do I make this space vertically integrated? How do I make these people come back over and over again? How do I make these people promote my space without me having to pay for it? And what's already bringing in the money, I'm telling you, photo shoots content was making quadruple what co-work memberships was making. Right. And so I had people tell me, ain't nobody going to do that. What you mean? You're pivoting to a content space. I had people tell me that. Both people. And I just did it anyway. And we said, Camp Space is no longer co-work space. We're a content studio. We had this big announcement in March, March 3rd. 
of 2020. A week later, it was a wrap because the pandemic. Right. So I was scared for two weeks. I was scared for two months. Thank God I had some PR clients that was paying me to pay the rent. Right. Always really important to always be using your stuff. Multiple streams. Multiple streams. Right. And after about two months, once the dust settled, people realized they could not create content at home. And not with these kids running around. <laughs> not with these kids. And so that was a long answer to a, it could have been shorter. It was the audience told me what they needed and I trusted myself. And at the end of the day, we're always creating content. Like when I look back at the work that I did for PR, for my PR clients, writing their bios, you know, directing short videos. I remember working with um, Essence. Yes. She did a whole video series on why we dance for her nonprofit. That was in 2011, but that was content. Like those are YouTube videos. And so I was already doing it. It's just content wasn't a buzzword back then. I have a good friend. He lives in Miami. His name is Brian. And he was talking about content and podcasting a long time ago. And I'd be like, Brian, if you say that word to me one more time. <laughs> and now look, I'm like the queen of content mompreneur. <laughs> I love creating content. Yeah, I love using content to tell a story. I love helping people understand how to do it. I love taking the people that come here and showing them the right way to do it so that their audience understands. And it's like, we have to lean into what we love. Yes. Here's one thing that you said that I want to underscore and stamp. And I want, just in case anybody missed it, is you said, I let the audience tell me. And so when I tell you, every one of my clients (laughs) could take any piece of advice from me, that is what I tell them. So often we are creating what we want or what we think people want. Listen, the sweet spot is, and this is why you've had the success that you've had, because people were saying to you, we need a space. You gave them a space. So I want you to talk about Shades of Content, because when you created the podcast, I remember, I can still remember your very first episode where you talked about why you created it. So I'm not going to tell the story. You tell the story. You continue to be, listen to people. You have your ear to the people. Okay. And then you then give us exactly what we need. And when you do that, it's seamless. It's seamless. And I'll tell you, I don't have a choice to listen to the people or not because I'm really doing this by myself. You know, me and my husband work together to open it. And he's obviously a huge support system. But everything you see is me. I don't have interns at this point. I don't have an assistant. And I swear to God, I'm not saying that to brag at all. It's been a heavy, heavy, long road. And I got to shift if I want this thing to be something because I can't do it myself no more. With that, the flip side is all I got is these other people, these thousand people that are my customers. So I have to ask them, what do y'all need? And so with the podcast, Shades of Content, which is, I love that show. I think I might love creating that show more than I love running the space. No <laughs> but it was like vertical integration. If I'm a content studio and people are using the space to have a podcast, why wouldn't I have my own podcast? Talking about how to create content, highlighting Black women content creators who I know were not getting the love that they needed because they come here and they tell me about it. Like, it was just a kind of a no-brainer. And so I started the show. That show, funny, and this was not planned, it also launched in March of 2020. But people were home listening to podcasts. So I was able to do a lot of really good interviews and it was fun. But I wasn't, it took me two years to get my stride in podcasting. Now, when you said expert, thank you. Uh, (laughs) 
I have my engineer come in literally in 30 minutes. I can knock out three shows in one. Like I know how to do it now, but it took two years of understanding it. The end of the day, that podcast is literally just a weekly promotion of camp. Right. And that's the other part about podcasting. And I'm definitely not there yet, but I think that people don't understand the power in it because it's a tool. And I love that you put me onto a new term, vertical integration, because I understand it. That's not the name I would have put on it, but I understand it and it makes sense. It makes sense, right? Like that's really where legacy comes into place, which is what we're all trying to do, which is why Nipsey Hussle's legacy is what it is, because he understood that. He got that, right? Like, and so you go to LA, he's not there, but but he is. He is probably. I dare to day I say this, and I hope this doesn't sound insensitive to his family who is not physically able to feel him, but his presence is, like, I remember, so when he passed in March, I then went to LA in April. So I just was like, yo, I need to feel this. Yes. And when I tell you driving down Crenshaw, you could literally feel a change in the air as you were approaching the strip mall where the marathon store is. I bet. Aside from seeing murals of him all over the place, it's just like this power that has enveloped the city. And when I think about when I die, my kids have, at this point, 101 podcast episodes that they can watch and hear me. Yes. Of course, I want to market the space. Of course. But when it's all said and done, we're talking about those who are coming after us, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and so on and so forth. We'll never have to wonder what Grandma P felt about this or what she would have done or her voice. Like they literally can hear and see me talk. Can you imagine if we had that? No. And you know, I lost my mother at 10 years old. I know. And I have, you know, video was very new in the 80s. My mother died in 1987 and video was very, very new. (laughs) And my parents, my father is definitely from the get rich quick type of mentality. So every MLM that was out in the 80s, we were in. So my mom and dad were in Amway and Amway was like a big thing. And they were like higher ups and everything, right? And so the only thing I have with my mother's voice is a videotape, a VHS tape of my mom and dad at a convention and where my dad is like, rah, rah. And you know, you know how MLM is. My dad is like, rah, 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 getting the crowd going. And then he says, bring it to, I'm bringing my wife to the stage, blah, 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 right? And so my mom comes up there and my mother was so, she was a very quiet spirited woman. My mom gets at this podium and she's like rocking the crowd, right? Now, mind you, I can barely make this out. And I haven't even watched it years because it's a VHS tape. I really need to get it converted. But just that one tape, that's all I have. Because there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There were no, I mean, even pictures. I've got a few, but I don't have her phone. I don't have a voicemail. I don't have any of that. So I can only imagine. I mean, I'm all over Instagram and I'm on TikTok and I've got this podcast. And so they will be able to experience that and even hear me tell this story that I'm telling right now. Now that I'm saying it to you, I realize I've never even shared that story with them. Right. And so that is powerful. Content is so powerful. And all of this that we have today, oh my goodness. No excuse. But the reason why people, and that's why I've always just respected you so much, Nakia, because 
I was afraid of my voice, which is why it took me six months to actually launch the podcast. My friend would tell me, yo, your voice is great. Like your literal voice, people need to hear it. And I'd be like, okay, but I was always scared. But the whole time when I was a kid, I would like imagine being on the radio. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, but I love that you're always okay with just stepping into the new and being you. And I think a lot of my audience, right, mompreneurs, women who wear a lot of hats, plates stay full, they're just not able to take time to just show up and be them because of all the demands of their life. Or, you know, maybe they still got some baby weight they need to get off or they're just stressed as hell and don't have the time to like just do what they need to do for themselves. Hopefully inspire my peers to do that because it's just like, obviously our legacy, they need us. They need to hear us constantly when we're gone. People need to see like, we're dope. Like, number one, if you're raising humans and they're good, even if they like, you raising humans, you top tier, period. Okay. Because it's hard, very hard, very, very hard to raise kids. But it's like, when you do that, you have a skill set that is unmatched and you're probably also doing something else too. So it's like, we got to show up. We have to show up. When I tell you, I did not want to go to the gym today. It's my second day back in six weeks. I used to be real heavy. Work was just crazy. I was like, I don't want to be here. And even while I was there, I felt defeated because I used to be the strongest person in the gym. I used to look the best and be the oldest. But I walk in there today and I'm seeing these joints that, you know, like better than me because I haven't been there in six weeks. And I felt so defeated. Like I, no bullshit, wanted to cry because I was just like, I don't like this feeling. But I still showed up. I still showed up. And it's just like, I want mompreneurs and I want women who are in the same space as me to show up. We got to stop doubting ourselves. And I don't give a fuck what people tell you because you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that say that idea is going to work. You're going to have people that say your little podcast. Come on, I have it. We have it. But what happens when you decide not to move on it because of what they said? It's affecting you, but whole time is really impacting your kids. Because they're not able to see you go after what you want. They're not able to see you hustle. They're not able to see you create. They're not able to see you be you outside of being their mom. That's one thing that I love about us. One thing we're going to do is be us. We're going to have a drink. We're going to go travel. We're going to live our lives. We're going to set up our lives. And these kids are going to fall in line with me. I'm the head of this. Right. Right. And I think that where did that, because I know when you are a new mom, we don't think that way. Right. I'm not saying that you got to go out here and have a bunch of kids, y'all. I'm not saying that. But after the first one, when that next one come, you're a little different, okay? And then the next one. Especially if it's 10 years later. Yes. You have such a powerful story about just being a mompreneur. What is that? And where was that birthed in you? Because that wasn't always kind of how you identified yourself. And so I want you to talk about being a mompreneur and why that is your audience. Those are your folks. Those are your folks. You know, I remember watching my dad. He had a general contract in business back in the 90s, and I would go help him. So he was my first inkling in entrepreneurship. And like you said, I never leaned into it because I thought that if I was still working a full time job, then this little stuff was just a little side hustle. Yeah. Right. Remember, side hustle was like the yes. And so I didn't lean into it. I don't know why. I guess maybe, you know, subconsciously, I just was doubting it. And even now, 
when I open this space, I see a lot of my audience are mompreneurs, right? Like the women who created District Motherhood, which is the nation's leading organization for female moms of color, okay? Nikki and Simona, amazing girl, women. That organization is global. They bring it in dollars, okay? They've done conferences, digital conferences here. They have kids. A lot of the people that I'm blessed to work with through this space have kids. Attorneys who are great at what they do shoot here, have kids. Like, so it's just like, I kind of just got to lean into that from a standpoint of intentionally talking to them, but also just owning it. Like, owning this, you're a mompreneur. And that doesn't mean just because my business isn't making me millions of dollars and at this point yet, exactly. Or I don't have 50,000 followers of subscribers yet. That don't mean I'm not a mompreneur. That don't mean I've been managing clients and bringing in substantial income from this. So I have to own it. And it doesn't mean that your impact isn't great, right? Because that's the part where I'm always amazed at the people that come to me that say, I've been following you for five years. I'm like, for five years? I mean, there are people watching. And you and I talked about this the last time we got together, the love-hate relationship that we have with social media, right? And so even though Instagram is playing in my face right now, right? Like really not trying to put my stuff in front of people. I'm like, I made this. This is some great content that I put out. And I only got a thousand views, but that's 1,000 people. That you you definitely could not have talked to all of them. That I couldn't have talked to. Thank you. And so when you start to put it into that perspective, I've got impact, okay? I've got impact. And you have impact. You have impact. And the people that need to hear it, they get it. They get you it. You know, it's like we have to think about quality, not quantity. We're so focused on numbers and stats. And likes. Sometimes people are consuming every single thing that you're doing. They may not like a thing, but then they call you. They book. They pay. Or they tell 500 other people. They tell all their followers about you. So stop looking at these vanity metrics. Stop looking at the vanity metrics. Absolutely. So camp is now... New camp, the rebirth, camp spaces. 3.0, baby. <laughs> One thing I'm going to do is pivot. That's the sag in us. You know that, right? It is, girl. Complacency, staying still, staying in the same place, routine. We ain't here for it, okay? Once we master it, okay, what's next? What's next? And that's a gift and a curse. It is. And it drives the people around us crazy, but... Look, they got to fall in line because this is who we are. That is who we are. I'm telling every Sag that I know, that is how we are. We're like, okay, we get it there. What's next? Now what's next? So what's next for Camp Spaces? I am so excited, Nakia. Camp is franchising. We got two different things happening here. So the first thing, and this is in no order, is that we're franchising. So I spent the last here. I've talked about it a little bit, but I did not promote it at all because a part of me was still very scared and thinking that I was not good enough to have a franchise because I've been told you should probably open one more of your own first, or if you're not making this amount, then you can't help nobody open theirs. I don't believe that. I think that I was afraid to move forward. This is honest to God. Before we got on the phone, I had just ended a Zoom with someone that is interested in Florida. And I had to push back our initial call, but we had it today. I did the PowerPoint last night. It was great. Whether or not they become franchisees or not, I'm now ready to sell the hell out of this thing. 
You are a franchisor, period. I'm a franchise. That's it. Hey, we didn't did all the work. Learned so much from these attorneys. Yes. I didn't been to conferences. I am a franchisor. That's next for my life in Canton. Me helping other people open their own content spaces that allow individuals, mompreneurs to have safe, beautiful, private content experiences that help them show up as the best that they are. So you might be that mompreneur who is, you know, a little timid and just not feeling like her best. But when you book a content experience with us, and this is the next part two of what we're unveiling, you're going to feel great. So we are going to be launching our VIP content experiences, which are full day experiences where literally all the person has to do is show up. And we do it all for you. Obviously, we have this space to do it here. And once we open our other franchise locations, you'll be able to pick which one you want to do it from. But it's like, we are your creative directors. We have our initial call. You tell us who you are. You show up. The food is here. The photographer's here. The videographer's here. The makeup artist here. The hairstylist is here. I love this. Oh my goodness, I love this. It's so needed. You have a beautiful day. And then within a week, you see all the content. You make any edits. We've created all your photos. We've created a handful of reels. We've created an intro video that you can actually use to tell who you are. Yes. And then hopefully you come back and do it again and again. We did a pilot of this this past May, a couple months ago, with a woman by the name of Natalia Thomas. She's a dentist. Beautiful woman, a mom, a dentist, like clearly smart, and has been a dentist for a good 10 years, went to one of the top dental schools in the country, Michigan. But when you see her digital real estate, it was like happening because, you know, we researching people off what we see online. Absolutely. That's just what it is. Yes. So she did a pilot here. We did a VIP experience with her and it was beautiful. It was so fun. She did not feel like she was like taking. She felt like she was just showing up, getting cute. And then now has all this great content that she can use to further her business and then open her own practice, which is what she plans to do. Absolutely. Oh, I love, I love it. I love it. It's so needed. Listen, I am at a place, I know I need to do another, but it takes so much out of you when you don't have this, right? Having to book the space, find a hair person, find a video person, find a makeup artist, find a creative director, find a stylist. Listen, I know 2023 is time for me to do it again. As much as I love content, I don't want to do that part, (laughs) right? This is a two-part, right? So I was in four and a half years of owning a space. I saw so many great people who were great in their own industry, right? So Natalia, a great dentist. Nakia, 1.0, 2.0, a great attorney. You know, all these people who were great in their industry, but then were expected to be great content creators, and it felt extremely flat, Right. Because you hired a photographer, but all the photographer is doing is taking your picture. You hired a videographer, but all they're doing is shooting you. You have to have a content strategist, i.e. camp, to actually show what this can be and give you a real strategy to how this investment can actually lead to many more clients. Like, what's the ROI? And so I saw that and I was like, no, we got to change that. I'm a PR person. I tell stories. I need to be helping these people or this company needs to help these people tell stories. Absolutely. And that's the hardest part for people. And I look at, you know, love my attorneys and, you know, I coach a lot and try to help them. I say it's almost like you're in the mall, which I hate the mall, by the way, but 
when I do have to go and then people are, are just talking out loud, who are you talking to? I'm not even hearing you. That's how some of y'all look on social media. That's how some of y'all look. Who are you even talking to? You're not talking to me. Yeah. And when people see it and they know you're not talking to them, they're unfollowing or they're ignoring it versus those who know you are talking specifically to them. Right. They stop. They stop. That's what I want to be able to do. And then also, I know that Patrice has to start building a location-independent life. And we have talked about this. Listen. I got to go. You know, eventually, I believe this this flagship location, I want to sell this. We've talked about this. I want to sell this as a franchise as well. And just be able to help people create these experiences. So, yeah, those are the two things. We're really ramping up the, the experience part for our customers. And we're allowing others to create their own spaces for their communities. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. This is great. Well, Patrice, this has been, as I knew it would, just so powerful. I'm just so glad that you have leaned into it and are sharing your voice and your experiences with everyone. I ask all of my guests before they go to tell us, you know, if there's one thing that you have learned on this journey in entrepreneurship that you wish you had either learned sooner or knew even before you started, what would that be? Man, if I'm talking in the season that I'm in right now, and I don't know if it's learned sooner, don't do it by yourself. I feel like there's a saying for this, but I don't know what it is, but you aren't cooler because you did it on your own. Chances are you're missing on so many opportunities by not having another brain to help through things. Mm, that's so powerful. I'm in that season right now. Yes. I've been saying this constantly, telling people I need help. I need a partner. And I'm saying it. I'm verbalizing it because I know that when I put in the atmosphere, it's going to come. And maybe it's coming by way of the franchisees. I don't know. But you don't get, I used to think, oh, I, black owned solopreneur, da, da, da. Girl, it's not the f- you think it is. It's not. It's <laughs> yeah. not. You stress. You don't have nobody you can lean on. Thank God my business is very independent. And lean. And lean. Exactly. And also because I know how to get grants. We haven't had to pay rent like for a year. Yes. And you know how to leverage that IP. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a skill set that has allowed me to do this a little easier by myself. But I'm even still off some, yo, I don't want to do this by myself no more. So, yeah, that would be what I would say. You know, you find a partner, even if it's just, you know, once a quarter, once a month, you're sitting down with three or four people who you trust and saying, this is where I am. Help me figure it out. Yes, exactly. Don't know everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is good. Tell us where can we find you and more information about Can Spaces other than watching The Real Housewives of Potomac. It's so silly. Because <laughs> I sure saw it on there. I was like, okay, Patrice. Girl, they ran that thing back over and over again. Even Wendy Williams. It's on all the blogs. It's on Twitter. It's everywhere. It's great. I love it. That God. They recorded it. And I was like, you know what? I don't think they're going to show it this season. I just don't. And I'm on every social platform. My name, just Patrice Camo. And Camp Spaces is also on every social platform. I'm not on TikTok, but Camp Spaces is on TikTok. Yes. I follow Camp Spaces on TikTok. I need a tutorial. When I tell you, you would kill it and you would love it. I love it there. I love it. That's where I am. We have to schedule another combo. Just you yes. Have but yeah, so 
at Patrice Camo at Camp Spaces with an S. And also my podcast, Shades of Content. And that is where, again, I talk to Black millennial mompreneurs. We talk part content marketing, and then we talk part contentment because like you read in my bio, traveling, new experiences, working out, those are all things that keep me content, peaceful, even when things are crazy. When I still know that it's okay and I can feel that inner peace, that just makes life better. And I want my community to be able to tap into that, which means you got to take care of yourself. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Patrice. We will be sure to have links to all of your social media platforms in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so proud of you. I look up to you and be the one. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to stay updated and connected with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.